A reading of the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you loved me. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So what is this Augsburg Confession thing all about? We have an identity statement here at Trinity that says, Trinity Lutheran Church and School is an evangelical and Catholic community founded on the principles of the Lutheran Reformation, confessed in the Augsburg Confession 1530. If you'd go outside and look at our cornerstone, you'd find the letters carved in UAC, which stands for Unaltered Augsburg Confession. When I became a pastor and when Pastor Veith became a pastor just Friday night, we make vows as pastors that we are going to teach according to the Augsburg Confession. So it, it's a big deal to us. It's not only the content, the doctrine that it teaches, but we try to also live by its spirit. What were these reforming fathers after? What were they trying to do? So in order to understand it, let's just do a little bit of history and some background here. Of course, the Reformation is sparked on October 31st, 1517, when Martin Luther nails his famous 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg, and those statements, those 95 statements, were dealing with some of the practices and teachings of the day, especially around the to topics of indulgences, purgatory, and the power of the Pope. Now, from that point forward, Luther continues to write about other topics, and more controversy is being stirred up. So by 1521, so 500 years ago this year, 1521, Luther is put on trial in the city of Worms, Germany, or we'd say Worms, Germany as American English speakers. But in Worms, Germany, he's put on trial, and essentially he's brought into a room. All of his books and writings are laid out on a table in front of him, and he's asked, are these yours? And he says, yes, and then he's simply told, take it back. No conversation, no fair hearing, just take it back. Luther says, well, can I have a night to think about that and pray about it? And he comes back the next day and says, you know what, I, I, I can't do that. I can't violate my conscience. And so this is where he makes the famous statement, here I stand, so help me God, I can do no other. I can do no other. 
Well, by this point now, he's an outlaw. He's also excommunicated from the church. The Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, uh, is loyal to the Pope, and he wants to eradicate this Luther problem. But he can't, because several of the German princes in their different territories not only are protecting Luther, but they're, they're putting into play his reforms, and they're beginning to, to do what he was suggesting in all these little territories of the empire. And by the time you get to the end of the 1520s, Charles V has a much bigger problem on his hands than Luther. The Muslim Turks have evade, invaded up into Eastern Europe, and they are threatening the empire. So he has got to bring together all of these German princes to form an army to go fight them. And so he calls for an imperial conference meeting in 1530 in the city of Augsburg. And the evangelicals, as we were called then, we weren't called Lutherans then, were put, they put together a, a statement of what they believe and what they were practicing, and this is the Augsburg Confession. And so finally, on June 25th, 1530, this was presented. Unfortunately, they were kind of told the same thing. Take it back. Take it back. There was never really a conversation that took place. There was never really a dialogue. And that, that was not at all their desire. What they had hoped for is that there was going to be this conversation. See, as Lutheran Christians, we've got to make sure we have this straight. We never, Luther never, wanted for us to be our own denomination. Never. That was never in the plan. We always wanted to be this reforming movement within the church Catholic, within the larger church. So, with that in mind now, let's kind of dig into what it means for us today. Because I obviously I can't talk about everything about the Augsburg Confession. I mean, I could, but we'd be here forever. Uh, so I thought, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to talk about one aspect of the Augsburg Confession. Since this last year, our whole theme has been one, and we've talked mostly about how we as a Trinity family can be one with all the challenges we face. I thought, no, no, let's talk about what the reformers wanted, which was for the church, the whole church, to be one. And I have a, a rather lengthy quote here, so if you bear with me for a moment, but I would like you to listen carefully to it, to not only hear their desire to be one, but also I want you to hear their attitude. Hear their heart in this. So as Emperor Charles V asked them to make this presentation, it says, the reformers say this, that we are most willing to deliberate and to diligently to consider how we may act concerning the dissension in the holy faith and Christian religion, and to hear, understand, and consider with love and graciousness everyone's judgment, opinion, and beliefs among us, to unite the same in agreement on one Christian truth, and to lay aside whatever may not have been rightly interpreted or treated by either side so that all of us can accept and preserve a single true religion. Inasmuch as we are all enlisted under one Christ, we are all to live together in one communion and in one church. Can you hear that there? You can hear not only, oh yeah, we want to be one, but can you hear their heart, that, that we want to do it with graciousness, we want to listen to one another. Maybe we haven't understood each other correctly. That was their desire. But as you heard in the second reading, this is exactly what Paul tells us. Be eager to keep the unity of the Spirit. And of course, all of this is because this is the heart of Jesus. That's what our gospel reading was all about. That gospel reading takes place in the upper room, the night before Jesus dies for us. The very night that he gives us the Eucharist, the sacrament of unity, 
that unites us. And what is on his heart that night? This is the longest, most fervent prayer that Jesus prays. What's on his heart? He says, Father, may they be one. May they be perfectly one. Now, how must our Lord feel knowing that his church is so divided these days? Broken into all of these pieces. See, in our baptism, we are made into one family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. But we all know what it's like, because we all do family, right? We know what it's like to have tension and division in our families. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. This happened in some family gatherings when I was growing up. You get together for the family gathering and nobody talks to each other. Everybody goes and sits in separate rooms. What kind of family is that? Isn't that essentially what we do every Sunday? Everybody goes to their separate rooms with their different names on the signs out front. How this must break our Lord's heart. Now, let's not do what, you know, my favorite emoji these days. You know, somebody writes you something, you don't know what to say. I love the shrug emoji, like, I don't know what to do. You know, let's not just shrug, like, what are you going to do? I mean, this should really grieve our hearts, too. That we, as Christians, cannot yet come around the same table and share the Lord's meal with each other. Think of the damage this does to our witness as part of what Jesus said. The damage it does to our witness to an unbelieving world to to speak the truth. I mean, this world is chaotic, but why would anyone ever want to listen to Christians? If I was an unbeliever, I'd say, ah, you Christians can't even get along. Why would I listen to what you have to say about marriage or gender or sex or, or, or the dignity of life? Who cares? My friends, as this darkness all around us grows and as the hostility towards us is intensifying, we, we need each other. We need each other as family more than ever. Okay. Wow, whoa. What do we do with this? Right? I mean, this seems so big. This is bigger than any one of us as an individual. It's bigger than one little church in Elkhart can, can manage. I mean, this is a global Christian issue. What are we supposed to do with all this? Let me share with you a story. A few years ago, I met a French priest. There aren't very many Lutherans in France. And this French priest was asking me about Lutherans, and he asked what I thought was the most generous and gracious question. He said, so what is the charism of Lutherans? The word charism means the gift. What's the gift that God gave to Lutherans? He didn't ask me, how are you different, and therefore you're probably wrong. No. What is the gift God uniquely gave you as as Lutherans. What is it that you bring to the table? I thought, I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, you know what? When it all comes down to it for us as Lutherans, it's not to say that this isn't important to other Christians. I know that it is. But for us, the emphasis, the, the heartbeat of who we are is that absolutely everything is always about Jesus and that he has done it all for us. It's not our own efforts. It, it's not our own work. It is that Jesus has done everything for us and we want to totally, completely trust and rely on him. That's our gift. That's what God gave us as Lutherans. Amen? Amen. That's what he handed on to us. But you know what I learned from that, that graciousness is, what if we approached other Christian traditions the same way? I mean, I know there are differences, and I know they may do things differently than us, but what if we began to say, you know, what can these other traditions teach us? Right? What, how might they gift us as Lutheran Christians? 
I mean, does not the, the zeal of the Baptists inspire you? I mean, they just so desperately want to tell people about Jesus and bring people to Jesus. Or how about the Amish in our own community? I love how they emphasize family and community and being together. Or the beauty and the tradition of Orthodox Christians. If you've ever been to an Orthodox church, especially if you've ever been to a Greek Orthodox church for Greek fest, I mean, the food is delicious. I mean, it's all of these gifts that God brings and he gives to us. In other words, what would happen if we would start not only talking, more importantly, listening? We, we tend to always emphasize where we're different, but let's face it, far more unites us as Christians than divides us. And maybe, maybe we haven't, even as the Augsburg Confession preface said, we haven't always correctly understood each other. Maybe we've spent a lot of time saying, well, that's what they teach, instead of actually listening to what they have to say for themselves. Maybe we spent a lot of time talking past each other. I know when I was taught as a young boy, I was always taught about how we're not like them. Maybe we've got to set aside those biases and, and, and those old opinions and begin to really listen to each other generously and graciously. Maybe we need to forgive old wounds. I know some of us, even in our own families, because of denominational differences, there are deep wounds, religious hurts in us. Even more importantly, maybe we need to ask for forgiveness for the wounds that we've caused. And where there are legitimate disagreements, and, and there are, then let's do what a healthy family does. A healthy family doesn't ignore the issue. Let's just not talk about that. No, 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 no. Let's talk about that. And let's work together until we can reconcile. We never give up on being family. Hopefully, if you've been around Trinity for a while, you can feel that flavor, that spirit among us here. It's why a few years ago that that uh, when the 500th anniversary of the Reformation came along, we, we built friendship with our Catholic brothers and sisters down the road at St. Pius. It's why we love to work together with other churches in this community through church community services, Reason Enough to Act, SPA, so that we can together as Christians make impact in this community. But think about it also for yourself as an individual. The thing we've learned this year in that joining Jesus journey is that Jesus is already at work what we need to do is just join him, be a part of what he's already doing. So we know he's already out there working and bringing people to Jesus and giving witness. We also know he's already out there uniting his bride, bringing his church back together again. He's already doing it with our neighbors and our co-workers and our classmates. We simply can just tune into what he's doing and enter into conversation with them and find out how we can impact others. And if you're still saying, oh my God, I know, but pastor, I mean, this is, this is, this is big. You know, does anything we would do, I mean, just a little us, a little church, Elkhart, Elk, Trinity, Lutheran, like, what, what, does any of this make a real big difference? Let's always keep in mind that what we're not, the, the Lord doesn't ask us to worry about the results. He does not ask us to worry about the results. He asks us simply to follow, and he's already leading us. He's already showing the way. We care deeply about the unity of his church because he does, because it's his desire, it's, it's his prayer, it's his, his heart. 
can, would you indulge me just for a couple more minutes and just let me share with you um, one of my crazy dreams. It's crazy. But I think that um, when the 500th anniversary of the Augsburg Confession rolls around, which is nine years away, I know, you know nine years, it seems like a long time, but compared to 500 years, that's nothing. So nine years away, we will commemorate the 500th anniversary of the Augsburg Confession. I think it's a bigger deal, personally, than the 500th anniversary we just had a few years ago. And here's why, because when they got to Augsburg, there was still this great hope that was alive that they were gonna have that conversation and that things were gonna be healed. And we haven't done so well with that for the last 500 years. But it's getting better. And so I, I have this great hope within me that, that maybe we could be healed. So here's, here's my crazy dream. What if, what if, by the year 2030, 500th anniversary of the Augsburg Confession, we would be reunited again? Now I know that seems like, well, that's, that seems impossible. There's lots of obstacles. I mean, yeah, I know, I get it. But let that dream sit with you just for a minute. What would that be? Imagine what that would be like that all Christians would be reunited again. Let that ache in your heart a little bit for a while. And hope for it in your heart, too. <laughs> 